Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guests on the show are Super Extra Bonus Party. Well, two, one third, two members of the six piece, Gavin Elstead and Cormac Brady. Super Extra Bonus Party returned last year with a brilliant track, Switzerland, one of my favourite tracks of the year. Uh, it was their first music since Night Horses, which was released ooh, years ago, um, 2009. I think it was, and followed their choice prize winning adventures. You've probably heard about Super Extra Bonus Party winning the choice prize. Um, we don't get really into that much over the course of the hour. I think the word choice is mentioned twice, uh, just because I feel like it's well-worn ground and they're probably sick of talking about it. So I thought that we'd try and go somewhere else with the conversation. I really enjoyed chatting to the lads just about kind of then and now how things have changed how things have kind of stayed the same what's next for them it's a really really interesting discussion and I'm really looking forward to what they're doing next following up Switzerland they have new music in the can ready to go and hopefully we'll be hearing that throughout 2018 closer well they might have released a track by the time that I've heard this, but on May 12th anyway, uh, they're going to be playing their first show back in Dublin uh, since kind of, I don't know, reforming, returning together. They're playing with Cinema and Silverbacks. They're playing Bellow Bar in Portobello. Saturday, May 12th, tickets 15 euro. They're still available as I am recording this, but they could already be gone by the time that you hear this so hopefully you're on it i think it's gonna be a great show and yeah you're gonna see them at castle palooza if you're going there hopefully we'll see them at another couple of festivals as well uh yeah because as i say in the podcast uh i saw them at cypress avenue and i thought they were great back in the day like 2007 8 something like that i remember thinking the song um that the show was great uh I have seen them another time. I saw them at Hardworking Class Heroes, a show which I had kind of forgotten about during the podcast. So uh, that's a fact check right there, folks. Hardworking Class Heroes back in, I don't know. I don't know when all of these dates mesh together. And that's what I found interesting, that they're able to recall like 10 years ago. And they kind of have to for all of the press and PR and everything that they're doing for the shows. Whereas I'm like, what happened 10 years ago? Where was I eight years ago? But Super Extra Bonus Party's music still stands up. Night Horses. It's an album that the band have constantly said is kind of, uh, you know, it's a better album than their debut, they feel, I think, anyway. And yeah, going back to and listening to it, it's on Spotify. Their debut album was on Spotify, but it's currently down at the moment. Um, there's a couple of great tracks in there. I think Comets is such a good song on Night Horses. Go back and listen to it. Comets, Amen. Mark Hughes' Top Corner is a bit of a jam. Who Are You and What Do You Want? It's a really, really strong album. So go back and give that the love that it deserves and get excited about new Super Extra Bonus Party in 2018 and get excited about this conversation now with Gavin and Korma. So, Gav, um, two shows by Super Extra Bonus Party that you've done since kind of reforming. How how were they? Um, they're really good. Uh, the one that we did on New, on, uh, New Year's at home was kind of a tester for us just to see how we would get on um, kind of working together as a unit again and, you know, seeing how, like, whether we could still kind of 
have the same impact and energy that we've had before and like it, it definitely paid off i mean i really enjoyed it and then we played in galway then uh it was at the start of february i think and um same story again we were a bit nervous going into it but we got yeah we got a, a decent reaction from the crowd and, and you know even the newer stuff that we've been playing um seemed to really work so yeah all, all good so far what were you nervous about just like will we have the same energy will we have the same like uh rapport on stage or will people like still care yeah pretty much like i mean it's almost been 10 years since we actually played together as a band and you know things have progressed exponentially like we would be you know like we were seen at the time as doing something completely different from everything that was going on you know like there's a kind of a massive pool of singer songwriters and indie bands in ireland at the time and we were doing some, you know electronic music and there wasn't too many people doing that well that were mainstream anyway because there definitely was but um now like i mean there's you know every second act is an electronic act or you know r&b electronic pop so you know, like the novelty isn't there anymore so it's just trying to see where Super Extra Bonus Party in 2017-2018 fit into, you know, music as as a whole. And that's kind of the main thing that we were nervous about, just seeing whether people still, like, enjoyed what we were doing. And I think, you know, the two gigs that we did kind of proved to us that, yeah, no, there's still, there's still a place for us. And Cormac, like, did the, uh, like, have the dynamics changed in the band, like, playing live? Did it all, like, come back naturally? You were like, okay, this is what I do, or has it kind of changed? Um, I would say that, like, uh, <clears throat> when we initially started going back jamming and, like, literally just freshening up the old songs, it was surprising how familiar it was straight away, like, still still the same dynamic there. Um Maybe, like, uh, I, I don't know. The honest answer is I don't think really much has changed in terms of the dynamic. Um, we still go fairly apeshit on stage. Um, still uh, just really want to enjoy ourselves. Still have that, like, kind of enthusiasm and just, like, kind of burning passion for it that we had when we were, uh, you know, 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, maybe, like... I think, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really think the dynamic has changed in the band. Um, the only thing is, like... Um, yeah, when, like there's a few videos of surface of like a bit of crowd surfing and stuff like that, and yeah, I remember like my my mom texting me afterwards, <laughs> telling me like, "Look, you really want to look after yourself now. You're you're a little bit older than you were last time," <laughs> and it's like really insulting. Like, Stop, man! We're pissed off. <laughs> That's nice, though. Though she still cares. Yeah, yeah, she still cares. Yeah, same as she did ten years ago. So very little has changed. <laughs> I suppose. Like, did you sit down when you? like got decided to get the like was there a decision like let's get the band back together let's sit down and like set up ground rules or anything like that about like being back together or anything we did have um yeah when we decided it was actually at uh an oil stag we went we were all there and i think shortly after that we said let's fucking do it you know like it's it's like something we all love it's something like i personally really really missed doing and um what do you call it? Yeah, so we, we did have a meeting. Like, we just met for, like, a coffee and just had a really realistic chat about, like, where each of us are in our lives and stuff like that. And, you know, like, some of us have kids and busy jobs and stuff like that. And we had a way more realistic outlook. I think that when we burned out the last time and we were putting ourselves under too much pressure, it was because we weren't really being realistic with each other in terms of who could commit as much. And But this time around, it's like, you know, we can still 
we still have the same creative flair, but we're more realistic in terms of what we want to achieve. Like we really want to push it, but we don't want to put anybody under pressure or get pissed off with somebody if they're if they can't commit to a gig so or something like that, you know. So like we're just more realistic about it this time around, I think. Is it, is it kind of weird, like, talking about such a long time ago? Like, I was thinking, like, you released the first album back in 2007 and the second album, like, two or three years later, yeah. and then kind of broke up in 2011? 2010, 2011. 2010, 2011. Like, I can barely remember what I was doing back then. So, like, when you're in the band, it must just be, like, and you're being asked all these questions, are you kind of, like, self-assessing, like, oh, what, what were we doing back then? Like, you were figuring out how to be a band. Mm. Um... I think the reason that it's easy for us to recall all of that stuff is because, you know, like, I mean, apart from Gary, maybe, but like, you know, he's, we've been friends for so long that he, you know, he, it's, it's like he was always there, but you know, like I've known Cormac and, and, and Mike since I was like, you know, 16, I knew Steve since I was 15. So we've all been in each other's lives in various, uh, external ways so long and then when we came together as a band um you know like they were like regardless of you know all the kind of tough stuff that happened that led to us having to put the brakes on um you know like a lot of that stuff was happiest times of our lives so it was it was us it really was us we felt for a while for obvious reasons that it was us against the world and who better to uh you know challenge people than with you know your friends that you've grown up with and stuff like that so it's very easy for us to look back and go okay this was great this was a great period of time in our lives this was a really positive outlet for us and it gives us an excuse to hang out because we're not just you know six uh, friends who like whatever go to the pub and shy talk like we're actually doing something that we see as constructive other people might still not see it as constructive <laughs> but we see as constructive with our time and um it's yeah i think to be able to look back at what we've done already is important because it's a way of kind of like co was saying it's a way of kind of safeguarding us against any kind of future mistakes so anything that negative that happened in the past we can look back on and go mm, won't do that this time you know, in terms of time and uh, commitment, like I was saying, just like being able to pull back from the band, which we couldn't do before, because it was basically the only thing, like for a lot of us, it was the only thing in our lives. And then the older we got, the more responsibilities we had, there was relationships, there was jobs, children, all that kind of stuff. And that kind, of, and there was a, a kind of a feeling in the band that there was a lot of pressure being put on people. And that's what kind of in the end, I suppose, kind of made us break apart. So now that we're all aware of it and we're a bit older and a bit kind of calmer in some respects, not all of us, <laughs> uh, it's very important. Like, it's easy for us to then be able to kind of step back and go, okay, this isn't the be all and end all of everything. And it's just made everything so much more fun. So much more fun. That's good. Um, When did the mentality of Us Against the World uh come from was it there before you released the debut album and i don't want to talk about the choice you know i feel like you're burnt out from talking about the choice yeah. yourselves but like did, was it after that that it kind of came no i don't think so i think it was always um like we, we've always had or not we have always had we had detractors 
from when we started. People just did not understand what we were trying to do. All we were trying to do is play music, have as much fun as possible together and try and make each other laugh. That's That was our modus operandi for ages. The fact that we made a record that resonated with a lot of people and, you know, whatever, again, trying to sidestep the choice, like, that was a big, that was a big deal for us. And I think that, um, no, that that mentality, and it's not like a, an aggressive us against the world. It's like, we, we're a band of, you know, like we're, you know like it's kind of like a gang or something like that it's just like a group of friends <laughs> yeah it's just like the wimpiest gang in the world yeah <laughs> like uh, you know like uh, we approach one person in the dark as a gang and they scare <laughs> us or something like that what I mean to say is that as a group of friends we always had each other's backs I and mean, it felt like a very kind of you know very close friendship and that's what I mean by us against the world is like you know we are uh, a unit of, you know, like we're a group of friends who happen to make music together. You know, we got to a certain level as a band. You know, people kind of understood what we were doing. There was always going to be people who didn't understand what we were doing and were just annoyed that we existed. We probably uh, fanned the flames a little bit too. Uh, like not the, like uh, personally speaking as one person in the band. I don't care what people thought. Like, but uh, we definitely fanned the flames of uh, anybody who didn't like us yeah. by dressing like morons. Yeah. Never really doing uh, interviews properly. Always talking complete nonsense. Um, our onstage persona was just. I think it was an actual somewhat of an act of like rebellion against people who are very stylized and stuff like that you know it was like you know we're there just dressing in GAA jerseys and the one thing we always took really seriously uh, is is like making tunes that was the, the most serious aspect of it like always was and that was all it was about really like you know the friendship and making tunes and then all the kind of image and all that type of stuff was definitely an afterthought and a very much a secondary thing that we had to do and just we made something really poignant out of it somehow just by accident like by doing all the pajamas and hurries and all that's absolute nonsense like you know so, so like musically where did it come from like the actual sound because i was listening to um the second album night horses uh just before the interview and it was like you know it is like hip-hop and dance and like kind of indie music as well there and mark hughes top corner I think mm-hmm. is that yeah. is that the song? Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a deadly song, like you know. Yeah. But it's just where does the was it just the fact that he had six or seven people in the group and they all have different tastes that it was like, I want to do a hip hop song, I want to do a dance song, I want to do a typical indie song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being honest, like yeah, I think it would be like um, with, with each of the songs, somebody or you know one or two people would start it, and um, so like you know like say with something like I, I don't know like I mean it's hard, it's hard to pick a tune like but say like one of the more hip hop oriented songs like you know two people would start it and then like it kind of gets a band influence on top of it when when it's brought out to the rest of the group and stuff like that and so it's kind of like uh, it's the whole each 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 song is the sum of its parts in a different way like you know so like a hip hop song would have been started by you know say maybe me or something like that and you know then brought to the rest of the group and then it's like it kind of incorporates this kind of indie influence because you know that everybody's bringing something new to it and wants to bring something different to the to the to the play and then like um some of the more guitar driven songs would obviously like you know like gab and fats and lads like would have kicked them off and then we bring like electronics in on top of that and then it just kind of ends up being like this kind of like kaleidoscopic kind of thing like <laughs> uh 
but you know the one thing that was really nice about it like uh, somebody I don't know I think it was Gab wrote this thing um, it was like a biography of the band and I was like that actually sums it up really well it was like the it's the product the music is the product of like a bunch of mates who like swapping mixtapes you know and that that analogy works really well for me in terms of trying to explain it like you know so we're not really consciously like you know following um, it's like we're not going to write a concept album anytime soon you know it's, it's very sporadic and uh but it's kind of united by our different influences and like just us as a unit, like we can come out with whatever. Like I'd always be excited to hear what, what's coming next. Like I'd love to be able to skip two years down the line and hear the album already. Like, cause I know I wouldn't be able to predict what's on it. Like, you know, so that's, <clears throat> it's a, uh, but one thing is for sure. Like one thing's for sure is that we definitely invest like all our time and energy into it. Like, and make sure it's crafted to all of our mutual kind of mm. agreement or whatever. Like, so. Um, Gav, as someone who like does adult rock, like you did that solo and you did it with um, someone else, I can't think of his name. Steve, who's in Super Extra Bonus. Oh, okay. Like you've worked smaller and, you know, with fewer people now. So is it, was it kind of weird going back to like six or seven people? Is it like a democracy or is it, you know, like are your your voices all able to kind of come through? Yeah, um, it it is a democracy. and, and can that be frustrating as well? You're like, ah, oh, just... Yeah, 100%. Every single person in our band would say that the way that we operate is so arseways <laughs> that it's not even funny. Like, you know, if we... Like, if we... We couldn't... if Unless we were friends, like, we could not be... We could not make this band work because there's just so many different... Um, there's so many different ideas, opinions, very strong personalities in the band. Lot like there, there is you know it's not like we're kicking the shit out of each other every week, <laughs> but there's like there's strong, there's very strong opinions, and you know I think one big difference between the way we were originally and the way it is now is that we all know that there's no personal, there's nothing personal behind any argument that we have the only reason that we're arguing about anything is because we want whatever we're working on be it how we're going to do things live you know shaping new songs for recording the recording process itself any argument that we have is purely because we know that we want to do the best um the best job that we possibly can and any kind of friction that comes from that is I, I see it as a benefit because it, it basically makes one of two things happen. Either, you know, we'll say for argument's sake, I have a strong opinion about something. It, I either get my way and the song works or the other person goes, I'm going to show this fucker and does an amazing job. And I go, okay, eat my words. It's perfect. Like, but to get back to what you were saying initially about like working in a smaller unit, I prefer working um, like, I, you know, I'd always kind of hoped at the back of my mind that we would do something again. I kind of knew we would anyway. Um, And I do, I enjoy it a lot more because I find that being able to bounce ideas off so many different people and kind of seeing the tangents that, you know, like a musical idea will go off on in the writing process is so much more fun, you know? Because, you know... um, with adult rock, I was kind of working on my own and I wasn't really sending tunes to people and it kind of burned me out because, you know, I just, I wasn't able to be objective about the music as much as I could be. 
Whereas with Bonus Party, I can be more objective even about the music that I make because I send it to somebody and I go, what do you make of this? And they'll go, um, it's good. Or no, we could do this with it. I think this needs to change X, Y, and Z. And that feedback is 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 priceless because the, the older you get and the more music you make, you realize that you can't just be tunnel visioned about everything. There has to be some sort of, you know, shaping. There has to be some sort of objective view. And I think that that's the main benefit of working in a unit this size is that you have that kind of, you know, again, collective mentality that we are going to put out the best possible product that we can. We're going to do the best job for the music that we can. So we can't let anything slide, which leads to arguments, all that kind of thing. So, you know, it's a it's a it's an incredibly positive process and it's, it's definitely one that I wouldn't change for the world, you know. It's, it's funny like to kind of add into that like uh, just thinking about the difference between the last time around and this time um, like I, I think that like this time around there's way more communication we're like communicating a lot better in terms of like uh, you know working together get everybody you know contributing into the tunes and stuff like that and uh, you know refining the tunes and working on them together and editing them together and nobody being offended but like the last time around I think that like because like something like the first album which is like way out there like you know it's it's like like i didn't like listen you listen back to it and you're like there's absolute like i don't know if you even call them curveballs they're just fucking, they don't belong there <laughs> it's like uh, but like uh that was kind of that came from a lot of kind of innocence as a group or something like that you know yeah, like yeah. literally you'd be like i've made this absolutely sorry the curse I really oh know. yeah it's already made this it's fucking courage. demented like fucking beat or fucking tune and it's just like you know and uh you know it's like it's really aggressive and like you know and then you just kind of bring it to the group and it's like okay well i'll put down some crazy shit over that and you know then like there's no real discussion like nobody's i'd say in the back of everybody's head at that point there was like oh i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) but but i don't think that's gonna happen this time around so i don't think it's gonna be as mentally sporadic as the last (laughs) as the first album but uh, because like we're all like able to communicate with each other now. <laughs> let's let's critique those first two albums. So Gav, like, have you listened back to them recently? What do you uh, what do you think of them? I have, yeah, I have listened back to both of them. Um, I suppose you had to listen back just to be able to remember them. And how do you play this yeah, live? Yeah, well, like I mean, the live versions are different as well. So we had to do we had to do some serious fucking YouTube trolling. Actually, <laughs> come to think of it, um, I think like I mean, I think that everybody sh- shares the same opinion that like we all kind of agree that night horses is kind of a more cohesive and maybe in some respects better album than the first one and it just at the time it just didn't get a fair shake for whatever reason like i mean we excuse me we um pick a clanger pick a clanger any clanger from the first two albums i pick a clanger from the first two albums Ooh. No, because you, that's you, fucking, yeah, yeah, no, that's fucking mean. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can, I, I, I can fucking pick one, but I'm not going to because, like, all the songs have got like your Can name I, on it or someone else. It's more so yeah, because of it. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I mean, it could be you know you could be talking about a song with a collaborator on it, and you don't want to be like oh, okay. fucking you know basically kicking them into the ground. Take something that you love off the first album. Something that I love off the first album. I was always really bummed that we could never work out a live version of On the Skyline because I love that song. Um, I really like... We did play it live. We did, yeah, but like, I mean... It wasn't a cool No. Yeah, it was. It wasn't really like a band thing. 
Um, I'm trying to think now. That's actually a hot scoop. Nina, who we worked with on the first album, is we've worked on a new tune with her as well. So, yeah. Sorry. I'm jumping in on here. Do you, do you have two songs in mind? One that's a clanger and one that's like a class song from those albums? In the interest of being really like like i mean diplomatic yeah diplomatic like i i wouldn't like to be honest like every tune made it like there's snapshots of where we were at that time every tune made it because at the time we were like yeah that's cool there's definitely crap on it like and but like i think it's definitely over like the majority of the first album is is really good and interesting and but like yeah there's parts that i wouldn't go for again like you know even just parts of songs like say something like uh like oh here, here's actually a good one that might not offend anybody <laughs> um the version of spanic um that made it onto the album is not the version that's the best version like rod's rap is is cool on it but then there's this kind of that was very much just like uh we wanted to play that live we edited the version to make it like more up tempo but the uh the original tune is like this uh it's just this, it's it doesn't it doesn't change tempo. It goes double tempo on the album, and like Rod raps on it, and Rod does an amazing rap on it. But then like listening to it, it's like the original thing is based on this. Um, what's his name again? John Fay. John? No, not John. It's uh, Paco de Lucia, and it's this really old Spanish guitar live recording. And it's based on this sample, and it's like a really nice treatment of it in the original version. But then the version that made it onto the album was one that we had just started playing live that was just literally balls to the wall, double tempo, go ape shit. Um, and I think like, you know, that would be an example of like, we just ended up recording it. Nobody, there was no real critical discussion around yeah, it. No. Like, you know, it was just like, this thing works live, but in the context of an album, mm. the, the, the one that doesn't change tempo and it's like a really nice treatment of the sample, like would have worked so much better. Um, so like, that's the kind of shit that hopefully won't happen this time around where we're just like, oh no, the album's been printed and pressed in it. Oh no. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. uh, have, have you thought of those uh, tunes or clangers or um, do you want to say? I'm, you're never going to get me to say what a clangor is slightly more diplomatic than that <laughs> um, but like yeah like on Skyline off the first one and I'll say it over and over and over again like who are you and what do you want off my horses I think is my favourite thing that we've ever done like I love it so much I remember Mick having the original loop and being like oh I want to get I want to get my hands on that and um, I like it was one of those things where we kind of had to battle for like to make a to make the version of the tune that ended up on the record sound the way it did but um no i like i love it i love it so much and like i really enjoy playing it live as well so that's a big that's a big part of it but yeah like i mean obviously there are parts of both records that i'm like oh not sure about that but so what sure like we didn't know like the underlying theme for Super Extra Bonus Party Mark 1 is we didn't know what we were doing. The <laughs> like, theme is we didn't have a team. We didn't <laughs> have a team, yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. We wanted to make music. And like Cole said, it's a snapshot of where we were in in terms of technical ability, in terms of songwriting, in terms of, you know, mood, emotion, everything. Like it it encapsulate like both those albums, and I'd say it's the same for every single band that's ever put out a record they capture where we were at that time and, you know, capture our lives as people and all of that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting to look back at, especially because like a lot of Night Horses was recorded in, um, 
uh, my parents had a house in Rusheens, just outside Ardmore, between Ardmore and Dungarvan. So we spent a couple of weekends down there. And again, some of the best crack I've ever had, like, was down there working on a record, you know, like farting around at nighttime with the lads and kind of just really, you know, just being able to relax because we're out in the middle of nowhere, no internet, barely any phone signal. And we would just spend our days either recording or trying to make each other laugh. That's it. Playing FIFA, pretty much. It was great. Like, really idyllic. Mm-hmm. Idyllic, like, you know, looking back through the sands of time, kind of shit. <laughs> You're going to say no, but like... Um, no, no. Yeah. Uh, like, do you see your influence in the Irish music scene? Like, I was listening to the Galaxy's new album yesterday and, I was, and then listening to Night Horse, uh, Night Horse's... That's the second album, yeah. Um, earlier today. <laughs> I'm going to have to check now. Um, but, but like, you can kind of see that it's a similar idea. And back then, I think, I don't know if you played with the Galaxy, like the Galaxy Mark one as well. But like, their sound has completely changed too. And it seems like, I don't know if it was kind of, did it feel at the time that Irish music was kind of catching up to you that you were like five years too early? We would never admit that i don't think because we, we we wouldn't be i don't think we'd be ballsy enough to be like we influenced a load of bands like somebody has come up to me i won't name them somebody came up to me and said oh we're like super extra bonus party now and i said in my head absolutely not you are absolutely not like us um but in a good way or in a bad way you were saying that? um you're a shite. <laughs> no, no, that's not fair. Look, it, no, they look. Put it this way: their music isn't to my taste. Uh, but you know, they they kind of. I, I suppose what they're tr- what they're trying to do is what they saw us as doing, which is trying to do something that's completely different. That you know is is divisive, and it's divisive to the point that I go, okay, well, I'm not into it. But maybe you know, a lot of people felt the same way. I'm not sure about like. I mean. We played with the Galaxy a good few years ago. I'm not sure whether what we did influenced them because they're kind of a different. They're they they, they kind of have diverged in a different way. Um, somebody was telling me. Uh, we were just, actually was just talking to Niall about their their new album, and you know he said that there's been a you know there's been a massive leap even from the first record for them, and um, you know it's it's good to see a progression. But I don't know. I like. I mean, it it'd be hard to kind of think of people who we would have influenced. But at the same time, there you know, surely there were people. Actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. Um, there was. There's been. You know, there's a couple of people, obviously based in Newbridge and stuff like that, who would have gone to see us when they were fourteen or fifteen, and who are now making music. Like so, the likes of mots you know even though his sound or, or sorry jay collar and now is his sound is a million miles away from what we were doing like jack would have gone to see us when he was when he was younger and you know i don't think, I don't think it'd be as much of a case as like we weren't influencing people stylistically or anything like that so i don't think people were looking at us going whoa i'd love to emulate what they're doing hmm. i think what uh what i readily like uh not take credit for but like you know Definitely not in terms of style or, or music. I don't think people are aspiring to make the music that we made, but I definitely think that um, 
we maybe let people see what is possible you know like for the way we were accepted the, the live shows we were putting on stuff like that I think people went you know anybody who had any kind of aspirations to make an electronic live show um, to, to kind of take their you know the shit they do in their bedroom to the stage um, I think that maybe that uh, we could have you know let them see like oh hold on this is actually possible super extra bonus party are up there with like a laptop and you know like they have a band set up going on they're kind of like you know, mm, you know, like I can do that. Like you know, this is my way of translating what's very kind of insular in my room into onto onto a life onto a life stage. Mm. But in terms of like, I mean, and in terms of like that the galaxy reference, I doubt like they wouldn't they wouldn't be influenced by us. But it's there's parallels in terms of the kind of the nature of their life show and the nature of our life show. Like it's like it, like <laughs> when we played with each other back in the day, um, to like. We, I don't know. I couldn't say if they influenced us or we influenced them. Right? Like I doubt either of us influenced each other, but we were definitely like there was definitely a, we we're on a similar tangent in terms yeah. of like you when you step off the stage, you've left nothing behind you, <laughs> you know, you, um, you, or you've left everything behind you. Whatever. Well, how do you say that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but well, are you trying? You to left say? it all on the stage, as in oh, like you yeah. know you went, you fucking went for it. You know? yeah, you went yeah, gung ho. Yeah. You gave it everything. You're coming off the stage. You're sweating. You've probably got a couple of bruises, and you know yeah. I'd say they were kind of we're. Yeah, no, no, no. there in terms of that. Like. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that 100%. That's that's pretty much, you know, that was always our modus operandi, was to go out and basically lose our minds for whatever a lot of time we had. So, you know, regardless of, you know, people's opinions on our music and all that kind of stuff, they could never say that we didn't give everything to our live show. And I think that's where the, that's where the similarities are, especially with the Galaxy. I think I only saw you once um back back in the day uh at cypress avenue and all i can remember from that show is that you were wearing tennis um t-shirts and bands around your head and just jumping off the stage and i think he had tennis rackets as well and we're playing them and air guitaring with them mm. um that's michael donnelly that's, Mike, yeah. that's michael donnelly's influence mike uh, took his dressing up very seriously at all times uh, had a different outfit for every gig he was a pilot a tennis player a jockey <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then he just took to wearing like uh, like white kind of string vests and writing weird shit on them. Yeah, um, yeah no, he really like he took to that thing. I think it made him more comfortable on stage. Like you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was his version of um, Vinny from Adabisi Shanks' Red Mask. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was his kind of like okay, kind of step stepping in. You know, like I'm serious, but at the same time, I'm also kind of taking the piss a bit i think and like that in a sense <laughs> it kind of encapsulates what we were about because we took the piss when we played live and you know in all of our press and interviews and all that kind of shit but when it came to making music super serious no fucking around absolutely no fucking around so yeah pretty much like mike's string vest is the perfect analogy for our music <laughs> And is he step back into that role? Is he uh, is he dressing up? Is he like right lads tonight? Yeah, tonight we're going to be. Yeah, so basically the first gig, um, I like in Newbridge. Um, I remember I was like taking a leak in one of the urinals, and and, and uh, I just saw Mike walking in with like a done stores bag and going into one of the uh, one of the cubicles in the Jackson. I was like, "What are you up to?" <laughs> and he came out and he was dressed as like he was dressed in a, with like this wig and an Italian ninety jersey and uh, yeah, full full soccer outfit. Yeah. So yeah, he hasn't given it up. <laughs> oh, so it's just him who's dressing up. Yeah, like I mean, that's the thing. Like I mean, I think that, that like uh, it was actually Lisa Lisa um, Steve's wife who said. Um, 
the one thing I love about the band this time around is that the team is there is absolutely no team because <laughs> like once yeah I don't know just everybody was just dressed in different shit Steve for the Galway gig which is like I think that's one of my favourite gigs we've ever done yeah, like, it just yeah, went 100%. so it was rammed and the atmosphere was great like and yeah um, but yeah basically uh, Steve Conlon um, was wearing this like insane suit yeah that he got, um, I don't know where he got it. Malta or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. And uh, it was like really horrible, I don't know how he wore it on stage. <laughs> horrible fabric. Uh, but the, Steve's the type of guy who can pull off absolutely anything. Oh, yeah, so like you have Steve in this like crazy suit that had like all these rings and circles. I can't even remember. And like maybe little pictures of cigarettes or something on I don't know. <laughs> and uh, then you have Mike dressed as like an Italian 90 footballer. And you have like a couple of like normal looking people on stage too like and it's just like if anybody uh, is just walking in going what the fuck is the story with these lads like, yeah like I like yeah. that it's like a total breakout from the uh, I don't know the asylum or something <laughs> do you think that you're like getting the same crowd as you got back in the day like 10 years older are you getting like new fans or is it just kind of you know does it feel like you're starting again in terms of a fan base um I don't know because it's too hard or it's too early to call because we've only done two shows and I mean yeah exactly we put out one song like Newbridge uh, was our mates essentially with some some new people Galway uh, we had like a couple of people that we recognised from shows but there was a lot of people there who had never seen us before and were you know uh, were fairly effusive in their praise afterwards you know yeah. saying you know it's the best thing I've seen in ages all that kind of stuff it's like this is great this is why we it's what we want this is why we want to do this it's because we still like we still feel like there's a you know we wouldn't be doing it otherwise obviously we want to do it for ourselves but we feel like there is there's still a place for us and the kind of music that we make and the live show that we do in Ireland on further field and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's kind of hard to know we'll hopefully know um more like the more shows that we do we'll kind of see and like the more music that we release and you know we'll we'll know kind of more during the year but hopefully hopefully we kind of snare a few few new people get that um i think Galway was a good indication that like there is there isn't like people will appreciate the live show and uh you know maybe go check us out in the back of that because yeah like i was saying like it was i'd say it was like 80 percent people that you know just just walk-ins and stuff like that and then maybe 20 percent people we knew and uh maybe even less probably 90 10 and um <clears throat> yeah uh but like in terms of like are we starting from scratch i personally just my own opinion i think we're starting from from zero really like um and there's a little bit of you know there's certain people who remember us and stuff like that and um but like and that's like gives us a nice little grounding but it very much in terms of getting out there um i think we're starting from zero and i don't know if this is like similar to a question that i asked earlier but do you think that super extra bonus party in 2017 kind of makes more sense in the music landscape in ireland and further afield than it did in 2007 like people's tastes are so much more wide-ranging you know like you can listen to like big pop bangers followed by big hip-hop old school and like new stuff as well and just indie music and everything like does it just make much more sense now almost um <clears throat> yeah i guess so um to, to actually just kind of tying into that point like the, the initial impression that i got when we were back um and especially when we we're looking around for people to play with and stuff like that is that there's so like there's like not as many bands at the level that we're at 
that are doing stuff right now. It's it's mainly like kind of electronic acts, and you know, like uh, I, I found that anyway. Um, maybe you'd be more informed on it. Like you probably would be. <laughs> you mean bands with guitars or? Yeah, there's way less. Like the first time around, like you know, we were looking for people to play with. And there was like an abundance of different people that we could, you know, you know, get to support us or we could support them and this, that, mm. the other. But like now, it's just a totally different buzz, um, which is cool. And like I think that kind of f- feeds into like maybe people being more accepting of the diversity of our music and stuff like that. So yeah, I think yeah, it's I think like uh, energy never gets old, <laughs> and like I, I think we always we've retained our ear for writing a good tune. And like I'm really happy with all the new stuff we've written. Like and. and just absolutely so fucking excited to get it done even if this process of getting it recorded is like a little taking a little bit longer than we would ideally like to but i think the energy and the quality of music you know i think people will appreciate it like no matter what um year it is or whatever like you know and but yeah i mean the diversity of the music will definitely be more people might be more receptive to it this time around than maybe the last time around or less weird <laughs> i'll stop talking now. Like, do you want to add anything yeah i do conversely um and I think it's really funny. The I would have to say that even though most of them are at demo stages, we've released Switzerland. We're in the process of recording our next single, and we have a couple more coming down the line. This is the most cohesive sounding music we have ever made, which is so funny to me because, like you said, everybody's tastes are so wide ranging, and you know it's perfectly acceptable now to have an indie tune, a hip-hop tune on a Spotify playlist or whatever. I'm not going to say that all our music is sound, like sounds exactly the same. It doesn't, but it just sounds way, way more cohesive. Like, it really does. Like, we've we kind of refined our songwriting process, <laughs> so to speak. And it's just, it's just so funny because, like, you know, if we put out, if we put out the first album now, I wonder what would happen. Or if we put out night, night Horses now, especially because the way music has gone now, it's all like playlist driven. It's not like you can still listen to an album, obviously, and I still love doing that. But a lot of it is chopping and changing between different styles to, you know, suit your own ears or your own tastes. So it'd be interesting to see what would happen if Night Horses came out now, because I, f- I feel stronger about that now. I mean, I love the first album, obviously, but I feel stronger about Night Horses as a piece of work. Um, it's it's more consistent and there's more kind of diversity and strong tunes on it. Um, I'd love to see what would happen if we put something like that out now. I don't think that 2017 Super Extra Bonus Party could make a record like Night Horses now, or even the first one. I don't think we could because we wouldn't allow ourselves to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically it wouldn't get through the quality control that we've uh, set down for ourselves this time. The bar is so high, but like, I mean, the thing is that that kind of challenges you to to really to write the best music that you possibly can. And like we are, it's funny because we're sitting on like I, I'd say at last count somewhere in the region of 40 kind of we'll say 80 to 90 percent completed demos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like we have a record like I mean, there's a record done, but you know, in terms of writing and stuff like that, but it's just the actual refining and choosing the songs that we're going to put out i mean we'll do we'll do a couple of shows and we'll do our our festivals over the summer and then i think maybe september october we'll kind of sit down and go okay let's spend the next couple of months like really going for it you know because like i I mean i i can't remember i think i posted it somewhere but like I, i remember 
where I was advertising the the Dublin gig that's coming up, and I said, look, um, you know, this was never a like our us reforming was never like a a cash in. It was never like about let's get back together and make a shit ton of money, you know, like trot, trotting out the hits. Like every... Idea that we that we could. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Let's who get back together yeah, who, yeah, exactly, yeah. Get who, and get who fucking, yeah, exactly, yeah. Who gives a shit? But um, the thing is that every bit of money that we make from all the shows that we're doing, and like we're picky about what we do, all the money that we make uh, goes pretty, is pretty much like straight back into recording. So as soon as we have the money to do a record, we're going to do one. That's essentially the short and long of it so i mean yeah to go back to your original question having gone off on a tangent for about 10 minutes um yeah i think it's a i think it's a healthy enough time for us to exist and i think that people will be surprised even though i'm saying that like you know it's not as diverse this time around i think people will really like what we're what we're doing uh, here's uh, probably the second last question that should have been the second question that I asked but like just talk people through who's in the band and who does what oh yeah sure okay um, so there's a lot of names to wrap your yeah yeah so Gary Clark I hope I remember them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary Clark uh, is uh, on drums and percussion and stuff like that and then like uh, he also does like a bit of stuff on NPC and a bit of sampling and stuff like that as well lately um, Steve Conlon, it's guitar, uh, bass, um, Thurman. and Thurman, of course, and <laughs> Team Messer and Synths as well. Um, there is Steve Fahey, who plays uh, like everything, trumpet, bass. When, when he plays live, he plays bass, guitar, trumpet, um, uh, like just does the whole shebang, sings as well. Um, and... Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the big differences. Is just we're singing a lot of tunes ourselves now. Like, so Gavin Fats have taken the lead, and so I've done a small bit now in the new one as well. Um, then Mike Donnelly uh, is kind of synths, electronics, um, and has done vocal on one of the new tracks as well. Um, and um, Gavin Elstead, <laughs> will I describe you? Yeah. Who? <laughs> Gavin Elstead do, does like. This time round, like first time round, was like a lot of guitar, like bass, singing. Uh, this time round, electronics as well. Um, so like you're pretty much paying from the kind of broadest palette. Um, then uh, there's myself who does the same as Mick, um, which is like all the electronics, playing like using Ableton Live since samplers, uh, drum machines, and then I've started doing a bit of singing now as well. So. Um, and who else is there some person that we forgot left out <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Kevin <laughs> and then uh, Rodrigo obviously hasn't unfortunately isn't around this time around but you know maybe we'll do a track with him I'm not sure but he was like our MC so like 40 demos or something like that like how does the process work like who comes up with the original idea who brings it to who everybody really yeah there's like of all the demos like you know, there's like everybody has something in there. Um, and I'd say of the 40, there's probably like maybe, say, 15 that we've like all kind of like jumped in on and, you know, brought to kind of very close to a conclusion, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's always been, um, I suppose, like writing factions. So, like a lot of the guitar driven stuff would be me and. Um, Stephen Fahey and Stephen Conlon kind of working together then you know occasionally myself and Cole might do something myself and Mick might do something Cole and Mick would work together 
Colin Fatsy would work together. Um, like that's one thing that we're kind of mind we're very kind of mindful of this time. A lot of the a lot of the demos have programmed drums, and we've been trying to leave as much space for Gary as we can because obviously you know if you're recording in your bedroom or you're recording in a little studio space, can't bring a full drum kit in and kind of you know piss off your neighbors trying to do demos. But um, like I think a lot more emphasis has been put on live drums this time because it like it. To be blunt, it's probably no fun <laughs> playing, playing, no playing like live drums in a in an electronic band because everything is to a click and you know, because of the way that we're writing, like you know, um, a lot of the electronic stuff has beats in it already. So there's 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 a very defined template for Gary to work off. But to his fucking credit, um, like I mean, he he really of all like all the recording that he's done so far and all the all the stuff that he's done. He's he's um, he's been very strong in all his playing, and it, it really like the the live drums especially really just elevate the songs to something else, give it a more give it a more human feel and a more fluid feel. And I mean, it would be it would be really hard to do it without him. I think it's a big thing. And so, plans for Super Extra Bonus Party for the year for the rest of twenty eighteen. Um, so we're gonna have we're just finishing up wrapping up our new single now um, and the plan is to have that out in May um, fingers crossed in conjunction with our uh, Bellow Bar gigs we're playing the Bellow Bar on the 12th of May which is a Saturday um, and yeah so that's actually a gig we want to plug is uh, we've got uh, Cinema and um, Silverbacks are playing with us Cinema actually has a really cool new track out at the moment as well and then Silverbacks are releasing loads of new music as well like, so, like it's a pretty, pretty decent gig to go to mm-hmm. Um um, and then, yeah, after that, um, we've a couple of other, we've another Dublin gig that we're, we can't announce yet. Um, and then, what do you call it? Then we are playing Castle Palooza, a couple of other festivals, and then, um, yeah, just we're just going to be probably releasing single, 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 and then hopefully uh, album is just going to be chugging away in the background, just recording. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else you'd like to add? Um, let me see. What Anything else you want to talk about? Anything, Anything else that we want to talk about? We talked enough. <laughs> we just wrap it up there. No. Oh, give me the, give me the microphone back. <laughs> we get, Gavin has something that he wants to say. What's your favourite Irish album of the year so far? My favourite? Yeah. Uh, Paddy Hanna or Bridget Maypower? Really? I saw, uh, I saw Bridget at quarter I think it was last was it last year yeah St. Peter's she played I, no I missed that one but I saw her in Plugged I think oh, okay. when Plugged was still in the Trisco that was like one, that's one of the best things I think I've ever seen like she's so good so 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 good and it's like it's just like totally blown away by her voice and the, the emotion in her playing like Jesus Christ record's really good as well but yeah and Patty Hanlon's really good as well I'm trying to think what else came out this year I think Paddy Hanna's like great. He's like reached a new level, but he was also around uh, like in Grand um, Grand Pacador. Oh, we were also yeah. around with he. I guess that you could draw similarities between the two. I never liked Grand Pacador because I thought that they were really terrible. But um, I'm, you know, I th- I think that he's just gotten to a really good level now with his songwriting. It's really good. Oh and man, the way he's the way he's, like just looking at all his uh, his videos and just all the different singles he has out. Like I absolutely love what he's doing now. Yeah, um, he's really. I don't know. He's, I 
can't like map out his progression and stuff like that but like um he seems really accomplished now and the the, the honesty of, of his tunes and the songwriting and like the orchestration and stuff on it, it's just that's oh, amazing like you know such uh the last few tunes i've listened to have been absolute crackers like so yeah do you want to make a defensive grand pocket orchestra i never got them i just never got them i i yeah, I do. I like. I I really liked. I really liked Grand Pocket Orchestra, and like we played with them a couple of times. And then Bronwyn from the band was in We Are Losers with me, so like you know, I'm obviously, I'm obviously going to defend them. But like, I think I, they're probably as polarizing as we. Yeah, would yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, like they they were they were polarizing, but I just you can even see you can see some of the songwriting in like Paddy's stuff now in some of the Grand Pocket Orchestra songs because there always was like I mean it was kind of hidden behind a load of like weird noise and stuff like that but um there are you know there, there's melodies in there there's hooks like they like chap knows how to write a song do you know what i mean i thought that like the, and some of their like their live shows were were pretty gas as well to be honest like it was just like breakneck speed it, it wasn't like the same jumping around going lula as we did but there was still a, a similar le- level of energy so also kind of pop exactly buzz, yeah, yeah yeah and it, that's always going to piss people off you know like the, it's it's never going to you know it's never going to fucking please everyone also um is it andy has the power of a million men or a thousand men or something like that it's off um ronald and silma and it's i think that's like one of the best i think that's one of the best irish songs ever released amazing wow on that note Sorry if I offended anyone from Grand Pocket Orchestra. <laughs> Let's cut that bit out. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Best of luck for 2018. Thanks, all. Thanks, really all.